Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk. And this is a special edition because it's a rewind going all the way back 1992 with the great Rick Pocket, who, of course, was assistant coach for the Penguins in 16 and 17 when the Penguins won those back-to-back cups. But he was part of the Penguins team on the ice back in 1992 when the Penguins won the second of back-to-back cups for the first time. And, of course, he was playing under the great Scotty Bowman and came to the Penguins late in the season in a big trade that sent Mark Recchi to the Philadelphia Flyers. Rick, uh, do you ever uh, just look back and think back to those days and the special moment of winning the cup as a player? And uh, what do you think about when it comes to your mind? Yeah, it's, it just hits you. You know, it's like anything. You're, you're driving somewhere and something will remind you of something um, about, some, uh, about winning then, uh, that year. Um, and then you start, your, your mind starts going. And then you actually, when you think of that stuff, it actually kind of, helps you as a coach because now you, you, you relive moments of uh, different scenarios of, of that cup run um, that maybe that could help your knowledge as a coach for the present day player. So yeah, you re- I reflect that, you know, there'll be times when maybe I'll see a guy that, uh, or an old guy will give me a, a text um, or, you know, or playing golf with Mario we'll, 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 or Jay Coffin will talk about some funny stories um, <laughs> or seeing somebody on the road that, that you haven't seen a, a, a that, that was on that team that will relive it. So those are the memories, right? They always stay up with the memories. Well, I remember when you were acquired, uh, you know, it's never easy in a big trade like that because uh, the Penguins were saying goodbye to a really good player in Mark Recchi, and he was really tight with Kevin Stevens, who you ended up becoming very tight with. But I remember the night uh, that you uh, were acquired by the Penguins. Uh, after a game, uh, Kevin Stevens walking down the hall, and he was saying, well, he's soft. They soft the trade, and the guy's going to score 50 goals. You know, I can remember him being really upset. And, uh, you know, you came to the team, and it didn't take very long if they fell in love with you. So that, that's kind of, you know, the way it is when, when deals are made. And uh, did you feel like you fit in right away? Uh, how did you feel as a player coming to Pittsburgh, especially with the rivalry that had existed between the Penguins and Flyers? Well, it's a big rivalry. Obviously, the way I played in, uh, you know, especially in that building sometimes, I wasn't <laughs> – wasn't a favorite by the fans. And, uh, you know, I understood I'd have to prove myself going to that locker room. But it's funny because Artie and, uh, and Rex is one of my best friends today. And, and Artie, you know, obviously, uh, like you're saying, laugh. I could just see Artie yelling like that, why make the trade? But the, when I got there, uh, the first, the next day, Artie invited me to his house. And at the time, I was married to Susie. And they invited me to their house and, for a meal before a game. So, he just took me in with open arms and uh, the rest is history. So I was very lucky to, to have those type of teammates when I got traded there. You became noted as the right winger with Mario and Artie playing on that left wing. And I'm trying to kind of remember how that all came together because obviously in the following season, 92-93, you guys just terrorized the rest of the National Hockey League. But uh, for that stretch drive, uh, how do you remember you know, adjusting to playing with Mario and, and what your role was at the beginning, if you will? Well, it's funny because I always tell the stories. I came from the Flyers. You know, Flyers were a more grinding team, of, you know, more of a cycle team and a lot of dumping the puck in. And I remember early on I was dumping the puck in. And Mary would look at me like, hey, I, I'm not going to go get it. Go get it. Like, he's like, we hold, the, we hold on to the puck here. You know, we want to make plays. And I remember it was a, I don't know what game it was, but it was like, okay, now I get it. So now it was more of a give and go. I'd give it to Mary and I'd try to race it. Me and Kevin Seaman used to race to the net who would get there first because that's where all the action was when you play with Mario because he's going to give you a tap in. So um, I got a root of waking early, like, hey, we play a little different than in Philly. You better adjust. 
And I remember uh, you guys were took a little while for, to get the, your bearings. Uh, you brought in Shell Samuelson on defense. Maybe the team took a little bit different look, a uh, little bit heavier look to it uh, than it had look, had been under uh, with when, with Mark Racky on the team and, and Paul Coffey. And 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 all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, there's a strike. There's a player's strike. Uh, you remember that? You remember the strike? You guys were fighting for money that comes from hockey cards. And you were out of work for, for a couple. I remember going out to that rink in Plum, uh, they called the Golden Mile Ice Arena. You guys had your own practice out there. There were no coaches. Uh, just trying to stay in shape for when you might come back and play. Yeah, that was a period of time. And, uh, you know, Jay Coffin, he was our, he was our kind of our Scotty Bowman Jr. He had the whistle. And we were, you know, we would do the <laughs> drills. Um, yeah, that, but, you know, like, you know, that was a big part, like, because we stayed in shape and we, we, uh, we made sure that once it resumed that we were ready to go. So. Uh, yeah, I remember that that old rink there. I think we used to drive with our equipment on uh, back then. Uh, there, I don't think there was a dress room there. I think we just put our equipment on. And I remember, you know, you know, I remember all Samson did on purpose. You know, you drive his. I don't think he was driving some kind of Lexus. And he'd, he'd have his helmet on, driving, <laughs> just uh, waving to the people on the, in the on the highway. You guys had such a great group of guys. Oh my goodness! So you come back and you start playing, and now you're getting on a roll here towards the towards the playoffs. And uh, you get into that postseason, and you run into a Washington Capitals team that was phenomenal. I mean, they were a really good hockey team, and they get a big lead in the series. I'll never forget standing down there and the, outside the dressing room when you guys all came out of that meeting in Washington, down three games to one, and it was obvious that something different had happened because you never had a meeting like that before a game. It was it was obvious that you were doing something, circling the wagons. Uh, and do you remember that day, that meeting that you had? To yeah, I was initially with Macario, uh talking to Scotty. And what really, if you look at that and say, you know more than I do about that defense there, I think they had two or three 20-goal uh, scorers. I had Freddy, Sylvain Cote. They had uh, Scott Stevens, Langway. Uh, it was a Gary Gatt. They had, they had a couple of guys, uh, Johansson. Their defense was the best in the league by far. That defense score, um, you know, if, if that – present day of that they'd have the best defense score they were so good and they had 20 goal scores back there so what we devised it instead of getting in the, we wanted to basically let their defense carry the puck up instead of what happened is when we'd four check so hard they'd give the winger their defense would jump by us and they'd join the rush so what we did is we almost trapped it up a little bit it's hard to say you know it wasn't the jersey trap but it was like the mario trap in his own way so mario decided to design this with Scotty Bowman to just play a little possum, and then we countered, and it, it got us back in the series. And and uh, I remember Yogg starting to get his leg. Yogg started to take over that series too. So that was a great tactical coaching thing by Mario and Scotty to to devise against that uh, that team. Yeah, I remember they called it the one four delay. Was what was what was what the, what they did. And they also made a couple of adjustments to the lineup. I remember you. Put Bob Airy out there and really had him zero in because the right wingers of the Capitals were doing a lot of damage in that series. You had Dino Cicerelli and Peter Bondra. Both of them were having success. So they put Gordy Roberts back in the lineup. <laughs> so Gordy, Gordy and Bobby were uh, trolling that left side of the ice and uh, keeping those right wingers at bay. And then you had uh, the good strategy going. And you came back in the series. And what I remember uh, when the series was over, uh, Terry Murray was the coach of the Capitals. He won game seven, and he said, we were beaten by one man. Now, we know all know that's impossible, but Mario was an absolute beast defensively uh, in that series. 200-foot game. You talk about 200-foot game. He was bringing it, wasn't he? Well, listen, uh, great players have to adjust in different moments. 
and uh, Mario played. Uh, I mean, he could, he won the he, he won the Selkie, the what is it, the the, the Ride. He won every trophy in that series because the way he played um, and his defensive. I mean, I, I saw some tracking by him where he. He, he tracked it, stripped the guy with a puck and went the other way. He did that a bunch of times. I haven't seen many players be able to do that in my lifetime, and he did it uh, to a T that series. Then you get into a series with the Rangers, and Adam Graves uh, whacks him on the hand and breaks his hand. Uh, you guys really believed in yourselves, though. You guys, uh, you know, Ronnie Francis, uh, you, you got a chance to see what he could do when, when the pressure was on him to, like, elevate his game yourself as well. Well, how invigorating was it to beat the Rangers after all that crap? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, let's team set, uh, recipe was to play. You know, I don't like to do dirty, but very tough against our team, and a lot of stuff behind the, uh, you know, away from the refs and things like that. They tried to drag you down, and we stuck with it. You know, like I said, Ronnie France. I mean, a bunch of different guys, but I, I think the leadership group there when Mary went down and the system, um, and just the, the the just the way we we approached the the game uh, with Mary being out, the professionalism, I guess is really won us that series. They had a great team, Rangers. That was no easy series, but I thought we got our legs, and they maybe they relaxed thinking Mario being out, uh, they were going to win the series. You guys won 11 straight games on the way to the Stanley Cup that year. That's after the Chicago Blackhawks had won 11 straight, leading up to the final. Uh, maybe, so you weren't – it's amazing, amazing, right? Yes, it is. And, do that yes I, I remember you having a good series against the rangers i felt like you were a big part of why you guys were able to overcome that uh, loss of mario lemieux uh, you go against the bruins then you're going to go against chicago and your old buddy mike keenan comes into town for a couple of games and uh if you remember Dickie, uh first uh 10 minutes of that hockey game of game one the, the hawks were bringing it physically and they had uh, you guys kind of looking over your shoulders a little bit even. You know, they were playing a way more physical brand than most teams had played against you. I mean, body, you know, forecheck, that kind of heavy game, you know. And you guys, uh, you sucked it up and found a way to win that first game in a dramatic fashion. Uh, where does that stand out in your mind, that, that comeback that, that day in game one, that night when Mario scored that goal late? Yeah, realize it's a great description of how the game went is we weren't, you know, Mike Keenan, once once a guy passed the puck, I knew, and I told you guys, he's going to instruct whether it's Chris Chelios or, you know, uh, Jeremy Roenick or whoever, or Dan Noonan or whoever, finish your check. So you pass the puck, one steamble, two steamble, even three steambles, they're going to finish your check. Nowadays, you can't do what you could do back then. Um, so we weren't used to it. Then what we started to do is we started to use our skills. So we passed the puck quicker. We, we got out of the hole a little bit quicker. Um, and I think that's when the Hawks couldn't stay with us. Um, you know, if you look at we won, we won one game six to five, and we won one game one nothing. So we could win it either way. I, what's I loved about that, that that playoff run because when we had to shut it down and win one nothing, we could do that. But if we had to have a, you know, I call it river hockey, a, you know, a back and forth action, we could play that way too. So, uh, but we learned that early in that first game that hey, they're going to finish every check, so we're going to have to change our approach when it comes to moving the puck quicker. Did you um, have, uh, you, do you hold that, that particular run special to your heart because of what you had done throughout your career? You had a chance, you played in a game seven against the Edmonton Oilers earlier in your career, and this was your opportunity now to finally live the dream. And I remember I interviewed, I think I sent you a clip of an interview that we had done with you right before game seven, and you were talking to that twinkle in your eye about, you know, living that dream of winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. <laughs> 
you go through your career, uh, you know, the first, I had two kicks at the can my first three years in the NHL, and uh, I took it for granted. And then the Flyers went through some transition period of, you know, whether to go young or whatever. And I, you know, whether you know, I got lucky to get traded to Pittsburgh, and I go, this is my opportunity. If there's ever an opportunity, and I look around that dressing room, um, you know, the way that, you know, I loved Craig Patrick, the way he treated the players and the, the way the, the city, the, the, the fans, this was my opportunity that I was going to do whatever it took. You know, whether you, you know, whether you're hurt, injury, whatever, I wanted to play. This was my, my opportunity, so I didn't want to take it for granted. Toughness was always something that, you know, Mario felt like he needed at times in his career. Uh, you know, and you came along and two big boys playing on either side of him for, you know, uh, had to be a big relief to him. But uh, how did you feel about that role, about just being that guy playing uh, ride, riding shotgun with Mario Lemieux and playing uh, the Rick Tockett style that you played? Yeah, I think that was, I remember talking to Scotty years after and Craig Patrick, but, uh, you know, I took that to heart. I mean, you play with Mario. You know, I wasn't the biggest guy, but, uh, you know, listen, every game, some cities are going, some teams, they take liberties against Mario. And I felt it was, you know, if I had to go after – you know, a Chris King, uh, we go after Mario, those type of guys uh, that, you know, tied to whoever that I had to do it. I mean, it's uh, something that uh, I wasn't afraid to do. And I do in the long run. Um, listen, I scored 48 goals playing with Mario. I mean, I, I mean, there was like 10 of them. I, I mean, you know, Stag, you could have scored, you know, just go to the net. Um, so I was very, you know, he was my meal ticket. So I wanted to protect my meal ticket. You, um, can you tell us, just get a little glimpse of what kind of things you would do to keep players honest? Like, what was it? Do? Was it something you would say? I mean, they knew how tough you were. So would you say something like, you go after him, we're going to go after this guy on your team? Or what, how was, what was your strategy from a, from a diplomatic standpoint, if you will? Well, I meant, well, you're glad you brought it up. You know, playing the Rangers, I remember you know, Kosher and those guys were taking runs at Mario. So I remember one shift I said, well, I'm going after Mark Messi. And I remember – um, you know, I knew Mark from the plane where I played in the Canada Cup. So I remember going after him. I had a glove on. I punched him as hard as I could in the face. I went after him. And basically, why well, their bench, hey, you, you know, Leach is next. I mean, that's uh, the way you have to approach that type of game. Um, you know, those are the sort of things. I remember playing uh, Buffalo. And, and I remember, and, and, and this is a funny story. Scotty, Scotty wasn't too happy with me, but Brad May was, they had a tough team ball, but Brad May was running around. I fought him. I knew that. We were going to play Buffalo two or three times in the next month. And I said, you know, and, you know, you always pick your spots to fight. I knew I could have to fight this guy. I remember fighting him three times in two weeks where we were in Buffalo and uh, he was running around. And I think I told uh, Phil Bork or somebody his line come off early because May was on the ice and I jumped on for Bork. Scotty wasn't too happy on him. And I, and I went, I remember I, I kind of gave it to Brad. He was a very tough guy and I was giving it to him. And I remember, I just remember looking at our bench and I saw Mary on the, just the confidence in the guys, you know, I knew early on that I'd have to do that once in a while. And it, it just kind of, I remember we won the game too. So uh, those are the sort of things you have to do um, every once in a while. But Scotty didn't talk to me for a while. He wasn't too happy with that. <laughs> um, you, you talked about Alfie wearing the helmet while he was driving to the practice. Uh, what I remember is just how loose you guys were as a group, like, like uh, throughout that playoff run, there was some kind of confidence that you guys had and love for one another. You guys were really good buddies off the ice and you had a great chemistry. I thought as guys, as pals uh, off the ice too. Yeah. Very close team. A lot of pranks. I think uh, when, when there's a lot of pressure on a team and there's big moments, I think you have to have that looseness. Uh, Kevin Stevens was, 
unbelievable, you know, uh, at that. Alf Samuelson, uh, you know, just whether at the card games, the japping. I remember, I remember we used to grab uh, a couple things. We used to already, it was like, we'd, uh, we'd grab his underwear every time and throw in the garbage. And uh, I, remember, I remember he said he, he must have bought 100 pairs of, uh, he'd go to, had to buy 100 pairs of uh, underwear because he couldn't find them. And then we, uh, we, we, uh, we took his spark plug out of his car and uh, his wife had, poor wife had to come pick him up because he didn't know how to, he didn't know how to fix the car. So he, he just told the guys at the dealership, just put a new starter in. So he had to put like a $2,000 starter in. <laughs> That was just we, we took the spark plug out, so uh, <laughs> that's the sort of stuff we used to do just a, a lot of different pranks like that. And uh, so now, uh, you know, you guys win the cup that night in Chicago. Uh, just take me back to the feeling of, uh, of finally doing it and what it was like when you went in that locker room and everybody was celebrated. Do you still have a good memory of that? Yeah, it's the same thing, like as an assistant coach, just all the hard work, you know, the injuries, uh. The people overcome the broken bones and um, the, the the guys that coming up. Um, I think it was from uh, Cleveland or Muskegon. I forget. They came up to supply some games, some minutes for us. That comes in your head. Uh, you know the the being very thankful for getting traded and um, and this the, the acceptance of the city, like and, and the players uh, coming from a heated rival. That, you know, I mean, I had people I remember telling me they they hated my guts and you know at the end of it all, you know they're, they're hugging you. So that. A lot of different feelings, Saggy, when you lift that cup. Well, I'll tell you, uh, what a thrill it has been to be able to talk to you about it again. And, um, you know, it was also obviously a thrill to have you come back to Pittsburgh as a coach and, and win two more as a coach in Pittsburgh. So you're forever uh, part of the fabric of the city of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I wish you all the luck in the world out west, uh, Rick, when we get back to playing. And I know you're going to have success uh, wherever you go. Thanks a lot for taking the time. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Because I, I miss Pittsburgh a lot being out here, and uh, it's, it's good to bring back the members. Thank you. That's Rick Talkett. This has been a great day for Hockey Talk Rewind, brought to you by PPG Paints. I'm Paul Steigerwald. Thanks a lot for watching, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with the great Rick Talkett.